This episode is being recorded out of Shop Talk Podcast Studios in Oak Park, Michigan. For more information, visit www.shoptalkpod.com. What's going on, guys? It's James Anderson back with another episode of the Be Great With Your Money podcast. I'm actually recording out of the studio today. I'm over at Shop Talk Podcast Studio here outside of Detroit, Michigan. I supported one of my good, long friends, and he's actually got a podcast studio. So I'm here hanging out with him, and we're actually going to do our first episode out the studio. So really quickly, what we're going to talk about today, I got an interesting question, but it's very important, okay? The question is super important. But it's very interesting, and we're going to talk about some simple ways you can actually beef up your retirement savings. All right, I hope everybody's having a great and awesome day. I'm actually just here, ready to share some money knowledge with you so you can be great with your money. Here's the thing, guys. I got this question from a young lady, and she told me this. She said, hey, James, I'm, I'm, I'm going to strip out all of the, uh, the whole life story behind it, just give you the straight-up financial question. She said basically this, hey, James, I want to save for retirement. I know retirement is actually important. I know it's one of the biggest things that a person can actually do, but here's what I have going on. I'm pretty much tapped out. I don't have any extra savings, any extra money, anything that can go towards retirement. So what do I do? What's some simple ways I can beef up our your my retirement savings? And actually, that's what this episode is going to be about. It's going to be about simple, straightforward, easy ways you can beef up your retirement savings starting today and really get yourself going and really get moving. Because, you know, we all want to share. We all want to save for the future. We all want to make sure everything is good. We want to leave that legacy. We want to have some of that money down the line. But here are some things first. First of all, I want to talk about what's the financial position of most people here today, okay? We all know, if you don't know this, this is the stat. 69% of individuals have less than $1,000 in their savings account. 69% of individuals have less than $1,000 in their savings account. And guys, this isn't, you know, back in the 80s and the Reaganomics areas. This is 2016 per CNBC. So this is less than a year ago, and people ha- are still struggling financially. A large percentage of people, I mean, it changes every single couple of quarters. It's like it goes from 40, 40% to 45% to 50%. But I'm just going to say a large percentage of people don't have enough money to handle a $400 emergency. So that means if you have something going on right now and you need a 400 bucks to fix your car, you have absolutely no chance of getting it done without putting on a credit card or asking for your family or, Lord forbid, you decide to go over and do one of those payday loan things. So it's, it's terrible out here. So with that going on, we know, bottom line is we know people are just not putting money to retirement. They're not putting money away. They're not putting money away for the future. And it's just struggling because the money's not actually there. And actually, per USA Today, okay, I had to pull up this article I'm going to reference because I think this is very important. But they say about 55% of respondents to a survey they did fear they do not have enough money set aside for retirement and are not contributing enough money to their retirement. Listen, that's more than the fear of other stresses such as losing their job, which was only 37%, or gaining weight, which is only 25%. And that's from Bank of America's uh, Merrill Edge report, and it comes out twice a year. And, guys, these numbers, these stats say the same. And these were actually people that they called what I say emerging affluent, uh, people that actually were trying to do good things with their money. They just wasn't blowing it, but they were they were fairly decent with their money. And these were coming from a thousand people in this survey that actually did better than most people. So they don't even think that they're actually on track to do good with their retirement savings. So let's look at the full picture here, okay? 
we got individuals that's actually out here, got some money, got some decent jobs, quote-unquote middle class, and yet they still struggle with retirement. Then we got the people that's not doing so well, they're still struggling with retirement themselves. So where do we find ourselves at? We find ourselves just lacking in knowledge actually to do what we need to do with our money. And it's kind of crazy because you guys hear me preach this all the time. I never got the how to build your wealth one-on-one class in college, okay? I never got the how to balance a checkbook in high school. I never got any of that stuff. You know, I learned geometry, trigonometry, calculus, all those great things that as far as mathematics is concerned, but I never knew how to actually multiply and make my money work for myself, okay? So don't feel bad. Because I was in that same boat. And this is why I do this podcast. So I want to make sure I get this information out. I want to make sure I get as many people, as much knowledge as they possibly can, as easy as possible. So that's one of the ways that I actually do this. But let's jump to the first, first, the first, first step that I want you guys to understand. This is a quick way to beef up your retirement savings, okay? And it's get yourself on a written budget, okay? I mean, written budget, line by line. Where's every dollar going? Where's every dollar coming from? With a emphasis, this is the key point, with the emphasis to pay yourself first, okay? See, what happens is when a person's not on a budget, they actually have more month than they do money when it comes to the 31st. They actually have more month left than they actually have money left in their bank account. And when you get to an emphasis of getting a written budget, most people have this thing called like the aha moment. It's the light bulb moment. They start saying, well, do I really need two and three gym memberships? Do I really have all these subscriptions to these magazines every month that I don't even read? Do I really have all this extra nickel and dime money going out? But see, the thing is, when you start collecting all those little bits of money, now what happens is you start to accumulate and amass a little small fortune. I sat down with a guy and I actually put him on a budget. We sat down and did a written budget. He found $535 and I think it was like 84 cents, that he did not know where they were actually going. Guys, I'm telling you, the power to get on a written budget, not just you knowing your head, I mean a written budget, okay? You got a smartphone, whip it out, drop it into a uh, sales sheet, make a list, make a note, do something to where you get on a written budget, but you want to put the emphasis of paying yourself first, okay? So let me explain that part. The budget part you got, you got to list it all out. What's coming in, what's going out. But to pay yourself first is so key because that's the investment in yourself. See, here's what I want you guys to do, okay? It doesn't matter how much it is. Just allocate some portion of the money that will go towards your retirement. I don't care if it's $10, $50, $20, $200, $1,000, whatever it is that you have in your budget. When you find that loose money that's going out that you don't know where it's going, Give, your, give it a destination and make it yourself. And I want you to do that every single month and pay yourself first before you pay any of your expenses. So that's any of your bills, any of your obligations. Pay yourself first because it makes a commitment. It makes an investment and overall puts a stake in the ground and say, okay, I'm going to get this thing done. Because who's more important to you? Nobody. So you have to focus on that. Now, I'm going to throw a little tweak on there, okay? We're going to bring in some technology here. Okay, so you're on a written budget. You now found some money, you want to pay yourself first, but you got to practice out of sight and out of mind, okay? There's tons of applications out there that you can set up to where automatically, as soon as you get paid, it will drop it into an investment account. There's many things like Acorns, um, I think there's Stash, there's a whole bunch of types of micro-investment 
application. Now, guys, I'm not a brokerage advisor. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just a person that knows money strategies, implement money strategies, and like to teach them. So no way am I saying what you should invest in. But there are options that you can actually look out there and see and see what works for yourself. And, you know, a lot of these applications, you can take a test run, a trial run, or what they call a, a demo account to see how everything works. But if you practice out of, out of sight and out of mind, you don't actually have the, I would say, that, that temptation to take the money and say, okay, um, I got 20, 30, 40, 50 extra dollars. I'm going to go treat myself. You know, you, you, you kind of get rid of that if you focus on paying yourself first and practicing and having it going out of sight, out of mind, and just having it just automatically be set up. Just think about it. You know, if you just automatically set up your account, okay, to, you know you got 50 extra dollars outside of all your expenses, and you just set up your account every single month to take the $50 and invest it somewhere, you're going to be $100,000 to $150,000 better to the good just by investing that into just your basic investment account, okay? So written budget, pay yourself first, and make sure it's out of sight, out of mind if you are a person that can't control yourself with your buddy, okay? Step two, this is another one I want you guys to understand. This is one of my premier strategies. I love using this strategy. I love having people work this strategy because it is by far the best way you can beef up your retirement savings. And it's by doing this. So we're all, you know, people have debts. They're paying off their debts. They're, they're getting out of debt. And at some point, sometime, you know, as long as you don't keep racking it up, you will be out of debt, right? You will pay your debt off. So think about it like this. And let's say, for instance, you had a visa bill, okay? And the visa bill was maybe, I don't know, 150 bucks a month. And you had a $1,500 balance on it. You paid the visa off, boom. Now you got the visa down to zero, but you still had that $150. So let me just put an idea out there. What if you were to take that $150 that you, was, that you were spending on the credit card bill that you were living without anyway, and then take that and redivert it right into your investment account? See, what you have to understand is you already had that cash flow actually going out. So now, since it was always going out, you already were living without the money anyway. So it's not going to, quote unquote, should I say, uh, damage your lifestyle or hinder your lifestyle because the money was going out. Now the money comes back in and you start just dropping that down in your investment account. So I do this. This is a huge one with people that actually have like car notes because usually your car note is already defined. Your, your auto loan is defined. You got it for 60 months. 72 months, 84 months, 48 months, whatever. So you know after four years, your car is going to be paid off. God willing that you do not go out and get another auto loan. But if you bought a new car, you got it for five years, you paid it off, bam, you're clean, you're good. You got a five-year-old car, probably not with a lot of miles on it. And guess what? You could probably drive that car for another five to not ten years if you take care of it. So that money that was going to the car note, why don't you just flip that and say, hey, I'm not going to drop it on my lifestyle, but I'm going to take the two, three, four, five hundred dollars, six hundred dollars, whatever it is, and then just redivert that back into my actual investment account. See, you're paying a car note, but you just paid it to yourself. See, before when you were paying the banks, you were paying interest to them. Now you're paying yourself, so now you're getting interest on that money that was formerly going out. See, that's what we call using the cash flow strategy, okay? So, so here's step two make it plain and simple. Use cash flow that was going towards debts that you've paid off to now redivert it back into your investment account. And I promise you, this is such a big strategy. I work with many, many people on this, and it's so simple because it's, it's so simple. 
because the money, you don't have to find it. You don't have to know where it's at. It was already going out. You even know the exact amount of your car note. I guarantee you if I was asked 50 people right now how much is their car note a month, they know to the penny. And when it's due, you do the same thing. Just flip it to yourself. All right? Here's another one. This is a big one. I love this one too. But step three, you want to do what's called adjust your W-4. All right? Because here is the big secret about adjusting W-4. And I'm not talking about I'm going to claim nine allowances and I'm going to claim zero allowances and I got a bonus coming up. I'm going to claim, you know, uh, 10 allowances, all that crazy stuff. It's nothing like that. What you want to focus on is simply this. The government gives you an incentive to do things they want you to do. And that's just the American society is just capitalism, just where we're at, okay? If you adjust your W-4 to take into your, your retirement savings, Guess what? On page two, on the back of the W-4, there's a line that says adjustments to income. Now, that's it. It doesn't say any more the description of that, but it says adjustments to income. So what you can do is let's say, for instance, that you wanted to increase your allowances on your W-4, but instead of taking a spend the money, you was actually going to take it and invest it in the tax-deferred plans. For example, your 401k, your IRA, different things like that that's tax-deductible. Well, guess what? The government will let you do what's called an adjustment to income. So when you adjust your allowances and say, for instance, on your W-4, you're claiming yourself, your child, or somebody else, and you had three, but now you said you was actually going to start investing, you know, let's say 400 bucks a month or 300 bucks a month or almost $4,000 a year, well, you can put that on the backside of your W-4. And guess what? When you put it on the backside of your W-4, you account for the extra tax savings you will have. I know it sounds... I know it sounds a little bit complicated, but just bear with me here, okay, because I'm, I'm going to make it all simple. But when you actually do that, now you qualify for extra tax savings, which reduces your tax burden, which gives you more money on a monthly basis, which you can then take and invest back into account and get another tax deduction on top of that. All right, so let me make it simple, all right? If you adjust your allowances and increase them and take that money, that you get now get extra on a monthly basis from your check and then take that money and invest it, you're going to get another tax deduction on top of that if you're invested in your 401k, your IRA. Well, guess what? The government gives you a tax deduction for that. So let me make it, let me, let me put some numbers out here to keep it simple. Let's say, for instance, you made $50,000 on your actual job, okay? That's your, that's your gross salary there. But let's say, for instance, that you decided that you were going to invest $5,000 a year into in a retirement account. So 400 bucks a month roughly to get that thing going. Now what you're able to do is to say to the government, well, hey, I'm going to invest this $5,000 so you guys can't tax me on $50,000. Now you have to tax me on $45,000. And in many cases, that reduces your tax burden. So the rule of thumb is this. Every $1,000 I have in tax deductions will save me about $300 in cash. So if I have $4,000 that I'm, $5,000 that I'm actually going to invest, I'm looking at about saving $1,500 a month, uh, $1,500 per year in cash. You can then flip that money, extra money, and drop it right back into your retirement account. It's something that you want to think about, something that you want to do. It's a little bit on the, I'll say a little bit on the advanced spectrum, but it's very simple because I can sit down with a person. You can sit down with any 
person that knows anything about finances who's got your interest at heart. You know, you want to talk to people about finances who's got the heart of a teacher, not the heart of a salesman. Not, not one that's trying to sell you a bunch of stuff, but somebody who can actually adjust your W-4, um, help you walk through it, and show you what you need to do. You can actually get some money back on your check and then take that and invest it. And coupled with the other strategies we've already talked about, you'll be having a supercharged retirement savings scenario. I mean, I've had people that I work with that went from saying put $200 in a 401k to maxing that baby out and putting over $1,000 a month per year into that thing. And of course, guys, if you ever want any help with any of this information, um, you can definitely contact me directly at James. It's James at JDA-Solutions.com. James at JDA-Solutions.com. I have a video talking about the, form, the uh, W-4 form. I can shoot that over to you. All you got to do is send me an email, put in the, uh, put in the uh, subject W-4, and just say, hey, James, I heard you talking about the W-4 form on a podcast. I'd like, to know some, I'd like to know more. I'll get back with you. I'll send you a link. So that's James, J-A-M-E-S, my name, at JDA-Solutions.com. All right, so now we're going to step into number four, okay? This is the fourth way to actually get your retirement savings beat up. It's one of my favorite ways. is one of my most exciting ways that I actually like to do that, and it's just simply by increasing your income, okay? Increasing your income is actually huge, and you can do that from anything. You can do it from as simple as babysitting your, your nephews or your cousins on the weekend to starting a home-based business to moonlighting as an Uber driver to, hey, starting a podcast studio because, you know, a lot of people record podcasts, you know, like we're sitting over here with uh, Jason Johnson. He's actually the owner of Shop Talk Podcast. I'm in a studio. He's got a nice setup here, and uh, I love it. I'm having, I'm having a good time over here. You can also do different services for play, and what I mean by that is, say, for instance, you're just the bomb invitation maker, okay? You're just a cr- you're, you're amazing on the wedding invitations, you know? Maybe you can do a service, and instead of you having handling the printing and the logistics, and a mailing out, maybe you do the design for the couple that's getting married and give them the design and then they just simply go to Vistaprint, upload the design and boom, Vistaprint handles all that and they mail them out themselves. But maybe your service of just designing it took you a few hours or maybe you made 100, 200 bucks just for that service. So I love service replay. I love leveraging knowledge, intangible products, things like electronics, um, like uh, electronic um, information, electronic tools, software. Those things are great because there's no overhead. It's very simple. And usually with technology, where is that right now? You can send somebody a text to the work. And it's all said and gone. I mean, I do some moonlighting here and there for some graphic design stuff that I do with my team and as we promote and branding. And, um, you know, I don't charge anybody for that. But I can see why it can be lucrative. It's just not where my focus is. You can sell old items. You can do uh, the eBay and Amazon deal where you find old things and you sell them. All that stuff is extra way just to increase your income. Now, I am going to say this, okay? And do not get me wrong because a lot of people know I'm, a, I'm in love with entrepreneurship. I love entrepreneurs. But I'm going I'm to hit you. I'm going to hit the corporate America people right here today, the people that just working their job, who capitalize on their time. They're not really looking to do something as far as in the home-based business or brick-and-mortar business space. Take up some extra response. This is what you do. Take up some extra responsibilities at your job, okay? Increase your pay that way. Become a leader, become a manager, become a trainer, become some way to where you can leverage your expertise that you already have inside of your skill set at your job that's going to give you the opportunity to gain and grow and make more income, okay? Because here's the thing. If my lifestyle is at X and I make Y right now, so my lifestyle is at X, say $5,000 a month, 
and I and I live at five thousand dollars a month. Okay, lifestyle five thousand, money coming in five thousand, everything is okay. But if I live at X and I increase Y to fifty five hundred dollars a month, say for instance from doing these these things I talked about, well guess what? I now got an extra five hundred bucks that I can just divert straight into my retirement account. Because here's the thing, I was already living an X lifestyle anyway. I really don't need the money. See, what typically what happens is this, okay, in corporate America, a person will get what's called a cost of living raise or a cost of living adjustment or a raise every year during a performance review. They might get one, two, three, four, five percent, okay? The numbers aren't big, but if that person works that job for the next 10 years and they're getting a one per two to three percent bump in pay every single year, Typically what happens is the person actually increases their lifestyle by one, two, three, four, five percent every year. See, one of the hugest strategies that I've seen a young lady, she executed on this beautifully, is that she was working as an engineer. She started getting some cost of living adjustments, but she never actually increased her lifestyle. So every year that she got a 2%, 3%, 4% increase, she just increased her retirement contributions by that much. Two, three, four, five percent because that's extra income she was actually bringing in. Now, I'm going to lob it back over to the business owners and to my entrepreneurs. The greatest thing about being an entrepreneur is that you get extensive tax savings, okay, in anything that you do with regards to business. And the greatest part about it, and this is one of the things I love, is that you can be working as a W-2 employee in your corporate America and be a business owner part-time, and guess what? You put it all on 11040 and you still take the best tax savings all the way around. And like I said earlier, if you're saving on taxes, that's more cash flow that you can now invest and get more tax savings on top of that. So those are some simple strategies that I hit there. I talked about, let's recap. I talked about uh, get yourself on a written budget, pay yourself first, practicing out of sight, out of mind, doing some automatic investment things. Step two, I said, you know, you can always increase your cash flow that you had going out to debts, especially things like car car notes where, you know, you got a finite end date of when that debt is going to be paid off. Guess what? You can now take that money and instead of paying a car note that was formerly going out, you can now flip that and pay yourself. Of course, I said adjust your W-4, increase your take-home pay on a monthly basis because that's then going to you then you can then count that as adjustments to income legally, morally, ethically, and the government is going to give you a tax deduction on top of that. And then, of course, you can increase your income. Here's one that I always I kind of I kind of have to twist people's arms for this one. Okay. It's going to sound real simple, but I got to explain it on both sides of the coin because I really always have to twist people's arms, especially when they're getting started. Here's the thing. Invest in higher yield investment accounts. Invest in higher yield investment accounts. Now, here's why I got to twist people's arms. Because if you invest in higher yield investment accounts, more likely you got more volatility and more risk. Okay, But there's two different types of things you have going on. Um, There's two different phases when you're dealing with future savings, future money, and future planning. Here's what they are. You got this thing called uh, the accumulation phase. So this is just you starting out. This is just you starting to get going. You're trying to amass as much of a nest egg as you possibly can. We call that the accumulation phase. Then you have the distribution phase, which is later on down the road, whenever you hit your goal, and now you're starting to pull money and draw money from the growth, the return, everything that you had going on up, up until that point. So here's what typically happens. 
you have people who have very little in retirement savings or future savings investing as if they're in a distribution phase. Let me say that again. You have many people that are starting off. They're starting off their investment accounts. They're starting off their retirement accounts, and they're investing like they're in a distribution phase. They're investing in things like CDs. They're investing, they're investing into income-based funds. They're investing in, in funds that are based upon municipal bonds. And those funds you should give 1%, 2%, okay? Let me put this in perspective. That's great when you now got a million dollars saved up, okay? Because a million dollars at, say, 5.5%, is going to give you $55,000. So if you got a million dollars saved up and you invested at 5.5%, you basically got your um you got your $55,000 there, all right? So it's not a bad deal. But now, you do those safer investments in a distribution phase because now you've you know, amassed this amount of money and you just don't want to let it fly out the window which I'm not blaming you. That's what you're supposed to do. You want to conserve your principal while living off the interest and the growth of what you have going on. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't have that nest egg yet and you're investing in funds that pay 1, 2, 3, 4, 5%, the compound, compound interest is just not on your side. See, simple, simple rule of thumb here. Investment is going to be two to four percent. Sorry, not investment. Inflation is going to be two to four percent every single year. So if you invest in an account that actually has only one percent is paying out, then really you're losing by one percent because if inflation is two percent, you're investing your money make one percent. You're now negative one percent. That's how the, that's how it works on that regards to the cost of living actually going up. So you want to be investing in your accumulation phase in higher yield investment accounts eight, ten, twelve, thirteen percent. There any you know the stock market itself the S and P five hundred those those uh, types of index funds have returned nine and a half ten percent eleven percent you can even get funds that's based upon the media t- telecommunications they inv- I invested in those funds myself you got about 12, 13, 14, 15, even sixteen percent rated returns coming out those guys and because you're in the accumulation phase you want compound interest to work on your side. Now, I can't go much into detail of all the types of funds in here because it's just this will turn into an eight-hour long podcast, and I don't want to do that. But I at least want to give you guys the difference of when you should be investing in your for your accumulation phase or your distribution phase. Okay, I want people to really understand that. I want them to understand the magnitude of what actually happens with that. Now, what I actually want to talk about is the last thing, okay, this is step six. This is the last thing we're going to cover, and and I hope you appreciate this. Appreciate me for this. Don't get upset. Don't turn the phone off. Don't turn off the laptop. Just listen to me because I'm on, I'm going to do a gut shot to a couple people, okay? But now I want you. I want to ask you. I want to ask you a question. Everybody who's listening to this podcast, right? I want to ask yourself. Ask yourself a question. This first person, okay? How important? Is my financial future to me and my family? Scale of one to ten. How important is my financial future to me and my family? How do you feel about that? Is it a one you don't really care? Is it a ten that is something that you're top of the list? Is it about an eight you're doing really good, but you know you can do better? Five you don't know really what to do, but you know you should do it, but you kind of don't. Whatever it is, ask yourself this question in the first person. I want you 
to do that because this this next thing I'm going to say is going to be a gut puncher, okay? But there's one thing that I had to do and it helped me really get back on get back on my financial horse, it lets me get back on track and it really helped me with getting forward. I had to do this, okay? It comes a point where you're just going to have to sacrifice a social life for a better future. You got to sacrifice your social life for a better future. Let me give you guys an example. I'm going to kind of date this podcast, but hey, who cares? There's actually the NBA finals going on right now, okay? They're going on right now. It's heated. It's uh, 2017. It's between the Warriors. It is between the Cavaliers. It is a it's crazy series going on. I have no problem. I even stepped out of one of my buddy's house and watched the game myself. But here's what I want to get to this point. If you are a person, no matter how important your team is to you, but if you are a person that went out every single night to somewhere to watch the game, of course you're going to order appetizers, have drinks, do all that stuff like that. I love that stuff too, don't get me wrong. But if you're a person that did that, and then the next day you're talking about, I need to build my financial future, you might need to sacrifice your social life to get yourself going. That's just, it is what it is. See, I'm going to give you a straightforward perspective of what you have going on. Average person on Mills and Entertainment every single month spends about 200 bucks, And I think that was pulled from Investopedia. I pulled this stat a while back. I just know it in the back of my head there. But just think about your own personal self. Do you spend about 200 bucks yourself in Mills and Entertainment, you know, from going out to eat, from hanging out with your buddies, from buying beers, to maybe going to the movies, doing all those little stuff that you do throughout the month. We all need some entertainment. We need, life is stressful. We got a lot of going on. We need some entertainment. But sometimes you might have to scale that back a little bit. I mean, for example, me and my wife go out and have a nice dinner. We decide to get us, uh, two entrees, maybe an appetizer, a dessert to split, and a bottle of wine. That's all of $100, even at the cheapest restaurant um, that you could go to, even like a chain restaurants like Chili's, Applebee's, things like that. You can get up there really fast, especially if you're offering a decent tip. But here's what I want you guys to think about. If you have 200 bucks a month that you're spending on entertainment and you just sacrificed that, you just sacrificed that and brought that back in and started investing it, just imagine you did it the lifetime of you working. So you worked from 25 to 50 years old and you did that while you was working and you just did that. Every single month, 200 bucks, you decided to sit one thing out, or, you know, every five months you decided not to go on a trip with your friends, you save that $1,000, however you got to chop it up. If you just invested that money at 8% for the lifetime of your work in just 25 years, you will have an extra $197,000 in your investment account. Excuse me, $190,000. If you did about 8.5%, you have close to two, about 200000 you can get any calculator and do this math. If you just took the $200 a month, I don't care what it's in. I don't care if it's in shoes. I don't care if it's going out. I don't care if it's uh, with the bowling league. I don't care if it's giving somebody some money. I don't care where it's coming from. Just sacrifice something on a social land, and you just took that money on a monthly basis and invested it just the lifetime you're working, you will have an extra $200,000 in your retirement account. That's huge because that makes a difference of you having, say, just $200,000 coming from your company uh, 401k to actually have an extra $200,000 on the side of yourself. And now you got $400,000.
Well, it's not the best, but if you get about 9% of that bad boy, you got about $35,000 coming to you every single month, every single uh, year in retirement. So, you know, that's roughly three grand a month. That's not bad in retirement. It's a lot better than what I know most people are out here doing with just Social Security and different things like that. The Social Security is what it's called, really. So now, you have to ask yourself this question. And I told you guys it was going to be a gut puncher. Am I okay with missing a couple barbecues, missing a couple parties, missing a couple nights at the club, missing a couple uh, days out with the boys, missing a trip or two here and there every single year, missing buying birthday presents, missing missing uh, giving family some money, you know, when some type of tragedy emergency happened, you say that you just ain't got it. If you okay with taking that social stance with regards to your life, with regards to the people around you, I guarantee you, you will find money. And I'm just talking about $200. $200 is all I'm talking about here. Here, I'm actually going to crunch some numbers on the fly here. Let's say, for instance, that a person had, we'll say, 500 bucks a month, okay? 500 bucks a month, 9%, and they do it for just 25 years, lifetime, and they're working. You will have $560,000. $560,000 of your retirement account. I guarantee you, with that type of strategy, with what you're doing, you can become the best person. You be, you become, you just become great with your money. You will break the actual curse of poverty on your family's back by just doing that. I'll tell a story about a young lady that I work with. Okay, she was very into sports. Okay, she loved softball, baseball, um, you know, whatever, whatever. She was into it: basketball, football. I mean, season ticket holder at the, the arenas, all that stuff like that. But she said, okay, I got to get my financial future in order. So I'm going to put this stuff. Been a sports player all her life. Played for teams. Been, you know, played, uh, you know, of course, with the, uh, with the office teams. You know, she was always the team captains, did all that stuff. Sports were a big part of her life. But she said, okay, I got to hang this stuff up. I can't do the season tickets every single year. You know, we're in here in Detroit. She has season tickets at the Palace and stuff like that. Single t- uh, Season tickets over at Comerica Park, all those things like that. She said, I, I can't do all that stuff anymore. It's fun. I'll still participate every now and then. But I know every time I go down to the ballpark, it turns into a $40, 50 60 $70 night. Because, of course, you want to have some popcorn. You want to get a hot dog, maybe something to eat, maybe a pizza, a beer or two. And now you already made it a $50, $60 night. Well, if your team playing two to three nights a week, you can just you can just see where I'm going with this. Right now, what she's been able to do is find an extra eleven hundred bucks a month outside of that stuff in entertainment that now she takes and then drops in her financial plan. See, that's what we're talking about here. Now you're socially awkward. Because you're not participating with your friends, your friends might think you're standing them up, you don't mess with them no more. They might even say you change. But in essence, you really did change because you're focusing on what you need to do for your future. So that's all we got today, guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it provides some great value for you. We talked about the simple ways that you can actually start beefing up your retirement savings and what you can actually do. That's all I'm going to share for tonight. I think this is going to be a great episode so people can actually utilize and rewind it, play it back. Even if you know this information, okay, even if you know this information, pass it along to somebody else who needs to hear it. That's the key. That's what we want to do. 
Of course, guys, I'm your host. I'm your facilitator of the Be Great With Your Money podcast. My name is James D. Anderson. That's at I am JD Anderson. That's at I am JD Anderson. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. You know, you can shoot me a message on Facebook Messenger. I'll always get back with as many people as I possibly can. I appreciate you loving this podcast. If you love it, of course, like, share it. Uh, make sure you rate it on iTunes because that helps us out. And, of course, if you got any questions, okay, any questions that you want to have featured on this podcast, like the one I covered today, is go ahead and email it over to me at james at jda-solutions.com, james at jda-solutions.com. If it's something worth speaking about, uh, number one, I'll answer your question. And then number two, if it's something worth speaking about, we'll bring it up and make it a topic here on the podcast. Of course, I appreciate everybody who um, gets value from this, who shares this podcast. And of course, guys, this is James D. Anderson, and be great with your money. Hey guys, James Anderson here. Have you ever been stranded on the side of the road because you ran out of gas or your car just overheated? How about locking yourself outside of your vehicle? I'm telling you guys, that's me. I always lock myself out. But here's the thing. When you have an auto emergency, you tend to not make the best financial decisions and could quickly put yourself in a money snafu. In order to prevent that chaos, we have to make sure our vehicles are covered with a high quality roadside assistance program that's number one, affordable, and number two, accessible. That's why I love Road Ashore. Whether it's towing, needing some gas, or perhaps you just want to get a tire change, Road Ashore is always available 24 7, 365. You just call a simple toll free number, and then for less than a few cups of coffee, you can be totally covered. And check this you even get a 30 day free trial with the program. So you can roll on over to jda solutions.com forward slash auto, A U T O, jda solutions.com forward slash auto to review the benefits and get going today. Listen, don't let being stuck on the side of the road cause you not to be great with your money. Again, that's jda-solutions.com forward slash A-U-T-O. This episode of the Be Great With Your Money podcast was brought to you by JDA Solutions, where strategy is how you win financially. Visit jda-solutions.com and click learn more for more information.